Texas, your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, drugs, disease, training, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, welcome. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. Great to have you here. So I don't have a lot this week. It's just been kind of a crazy time. I haven't been doing nearly as much reading as I normally do, just trying to get caught up on stuff again. A um, couple little odds and ends. I'm not going to go real deep into this. I may do a show on this coming up soon, but uh, just to remind people, because I'm starting to see already, it's flu vaccine season. I'm not going to say it's flu season. It's flu vaccine season. I am seeing it everywhere again. And, you know, this is one of those topics that just polarizes people. There are people that absolutely swear by the flu vaccine, will not go a year without getting it. And on the other side of the fence, you have people that say, absolutely not, never getting it. And everybody has their own anecdotal stories. You know, they'll say, well, I never got the flu vaccine. And then the year that I did, I got sick. Yeah, it happens. Um, Other people will say the opposite. The one year they skipped getting it, they got sick. You know, the the odds, there's so many strains. Depending on which flu vaccine you get, there isn't just one. There are multiple flu vaccines you're still wide open. So people who believe getting the flu vaccine is a guarantee, absolutely not, not even close. Could it protect you from getting the flu? It might. Um, could it make you sick? Some people say so. Again, it depends on the type. They, you know, they have the injectable, which has been around forever. They brought out the nose spray. That's been a horrible failure. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with that this year. But, I, you know... I am not a big fan of putting anything in my body I don't have to. And we hear about, you know, all the add-ons. There's aluminum in there. There's all kinds of other um, things that go into that vaccine. And is is the vaccine itself really healthy or necessary? Or, uh, you know, my thought on this, just like everything else, if you eat right, if you're living right, your immune system will be strong. You may get the flu. Um... If your immune system fights it off, that's much better, I believe, than the vaccination route. Now, if you're really unhealthy and your immune system is poor, maybe it is a good idea. I I don't like it uh, at all. Um, Every time I post about it, it turns into a, uh, a giant war. Like I said, it's one of those polarizing topics. So, um I, I may, like I say, may do a show on this with more facts, but it, just to remind people it's coming, but there are much, much better ways to protect yourself from the flu than the flu vaccine. And 
the other ways have lots of benefits. When you get healthy and strong and a good, strong immune system, that's far better than just saying, well, I'm going to take a shot so I don't get this one thing. Well, you know, um, when part of the NutriQ, one of the questions is um, when's the last time you were sick? And it could be in the last month, once a year. And actually, if it was more than a year ago, that actually is like a three. It rates you higher because you're not challenging your immune system at all. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it is not sometimes, but all the time. Getting sick sometimes is helping build your immunity, uh, your immune system, and keeping it stronger. I, that kind of caught me at first. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we know that. <laughs> but it was kind of interesting to read that in our, you know, as in response to the, to the NutriQ. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point of just even if you're going to get sick, getting sick is better. If your immune system is strong and, like you said, working the immune system, it's a lot like a muscle. It's a lot like our brain, our whole body. If we don't use things, they stop working very well. It's why our digestion doesn't work as well as it should, because we haven't been feeding our body the right food. So this is the same thing. Your immune system, the more you challenge it, the stronger it gets, just like a muscle. I remember reading a long, long time ago. Um, it, I, I think it's stuck in my head because growing up, I was sick all the time. I, every year, I went through horrendous flus, colds, you name it. I, I was, you know, not nearly as healthy as I think I should have been. Um, I got sick a lot. As an adult, it's been almost the opposite. I, I very seldom get sick now. It's been a couple years, really. And um, it, it's such a stark difference from when I was growing up. But I, I remember, and I think this stuck in my head because I was sick a lot. There, there was some research that suggested that people who got sick a lot through their childhood had a lower risk of getting cancer. And they showed the numbers to correlate it. And there are a couple other diseases you had a lower risk of. And the, the thought was, there was no proof to this, but Every time you got sick, your immune system had to work. And, and your immune system is in there killing things and, and getting rid of things that shouldn't be in your body. And the thought was, long before you even know you have a cancerous cell, your immune system is attacking those things. And the stronger your immune system is, the more it happens and the healthier you get as you get older and older. Now, we're vaccinating kids for everything I mean, stupid, crazy stuff that they have such a low risk of getting, but we're vaccinating them for that. HPV is a big one. Um, But we have vaccines for almost everything now. We have all the hand cleaners, the hand sanitizers. We're disinfecting everything to the point where our immune system isn't doing much. And then when we need it, it's just not very strong. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, we were, my kids were, with coming from a large family, you know, they had their fair share of, you know, getting the colds and all that stuff growing up, but all of them pretty much have a pretty strong, they don't get sick that much. Um, and we had a time where I went back to work and they were in a daycare situation, you know, went through all that, but yeah, I just think that that, you know, fortunately it was nothing major, but it, it I attribute that to them having a stronger immune system now. Yeah, and, and you know, the difference when it, when our immune system fights something off, we don't tend to see that those resistant strains of bacteria develop. But when we keep using more and more antibiotics, more and more disinfectants, 
antibacterials, antifungals, all kinds of things, we tend to see those resistant strains. Um, you know, I was following a, a strain of Candida, still am, um, because it's a pretty rare form, but mm-hmm. it's create, it, It's very, very antibacterial resistant, and it's killing people. Um, it, it kills about 60% of the people that get infected by it. That's pretty severe, and we are now up to 125 cases in the United States, and it's hit the West Coast. This is the first update that I saw. Wow. Yeah, it had, uh, Indiana, I think, was the farthest west it had gone uh, about two months ago. Now there's a case in Oklahoma and a case in California. So I, I was kind of following that, and then somebody I know here in town actually had a rare strain of Candida. It turned out not to be this one. It's another new rare strain oh, of good. yeah, oh. yeah, another one. So and horrendous. I mean, she went from young and healthy to multiple surgeries, um, lost part of her colon over this, uh, still recovering, been off work for months and months and months, and um, it, it was a new kind of rare strain of candida. Um, I just posted today of a link between um, factory farm chicken and really severe urinary tract infections. And these are all happening because of these resistant strains of bacteria. And, you know, all the antibiotics we're using in our factory farming, all the antibiotics we give people every time they show up to the doctor's office, all of these vaccines, this is just not a good trend. We need to turn this around. Our immune system is capable of handling most of this if if we just live right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I remember when you brought that to the show, when that um, strain of candida came up, so... Yeah. I'm glad to hear your neighbor. It isn't the same, but it still doesn't sound... Yeah, and she's finally recovering. Um, but it, it was horrendous to think that this was just, you know, a, a form of yeast mm-hmm. that did this. Candida is fairly common. Uh, we all have candida in us to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, these kind of, you know, bacteria, yeast, fungi, they're all around. We've lived with them for millions of years, but they seem to be winning the battle. We seem to be doing something wrong. So we're going to get to a break. We'll be right back with more stuff right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Um, Kim, one more thing, and then uh, we'll see if you have anything. We'll get some phone calls. Uh, You know, you and I have been talking a lot about SIBO. Um, We had the doctor on recently who developed a a really awesome uh, supplement that works really well for SIBO. Uh, We know SIBO can cause lots of other problems. We're finding out it's much more common than what we thought. Um, blocks nutrient absorption without nutrients we can't fix anything so it's something we have to address Um, are you ready for the next version oh uh, of what I just read this morning (laughs) um, CFO not SIBO CFO okay now we're looking at... I'm, and, trying to, I'm trying to think what F could be. I, I know. I, I probably wouldn't have gotten it either because it doesn't come right to mind. But this comes from the Cresser Institute, uh, Chris Cresser. Um, mm-hmm. Small intestinal fungal overgrowth. So same idea, but instead of bacteria, we have fungi living in the small intestine causing all the same problems. The difference is that antibacterials, which is what we do, whether it's a true antibiotic, which is the way the medical community treats SIBO, or natural antibiotics. There are a lot of foods and supplements that are antibacterial. So we don't have to take, mm-hmm. you know, powerful antibiotics. Coconut oil is an antibacterial. Oil of oregano. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, but... antibacterial is the key word. It will kill bacteria. But this is now fungi causing the same problem. So now we need antifungals. So you have to be able to identify which one is causing the problem in the small intestine, whether it's bacteria or fungi. And I'm assuming they have a test. Did he talk about a test for it? You know, it's... Yeah, that I need to do some more research on this. It's still the breath test, so they, these fungi are mm-hmm. still producing the gases, and that's what causes the bloating and the belching. Um, I don't know. I don't think a breath test is going to be able to distinguish which one's causing the problem. So I, right. I, I've mm-hmm. got to go do some more research on that. But it'll be interesting if we... Um, you know, if you're dealing with somebody and it looks like all the symptoms of SIBO, but the standard SIBO protocols aren't working, it could be fungal instead of bacterial. Gosh. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to read up on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything this week, or do we want to get to some phone calls? You know, no, I was just, I was just there with you on, how do we say that? I know, yeah. and then I dive <laughs> right into it. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was interesting, I was reading an article on, um, you know, I love my triathlete magazines and that, and there's one that came through uh, Lava Magazine. There's a, he's a five-time Ironman and 20-year editor of the Lava Magazine, and he, I read an article on how months ago where he was diving into um, fat adaption and, and so forth, and he just came out with another article because he's looking ahead to 2018, and it's really fascinating. He's given a little bio of his background, exact same as Sami's, you know, as he's getting older and with all the, what he was eating um, and all his training, being injured, and then he was becoming pre-diabetic and so forth. So, he, again, he started talking about fat adaption months ago, but now he's looking at 2018 
and going at it in a very um, oh, patient and um, planned out way of how he's going to train next year and, and do all this. And it's very cool because he's just going back to identifying why, why he wants to tra- why he wants to even be a part of the, you know, back into the triathlete community on an athlete level to getting his foundation set from his keto diet. He talks a lot about mobility, um, you know, not just being able to run and swim and bike, but being able to, um, you know, run zigzags and, you know, not wake up hurt and just, you know, and, and, you know, we had Jeff at CMC teaching a lot about mobility. I think that was the first time I really heard that as far as everyday life, you know. And, but he was also talking about, um, TJ was talking about sleep and setting those foundations. So I'm just looking forward to following him. His, his resources are Rob Wolf and Peter Asia, um, that Dr. Parsley that I just sent you um, today about sleep. Um, you know, talking about bone broth and hydration and recovery. And I'm just, I couldn't read fast enough. It yeah. was fascinating. Yeah, you know, the the two areas you and I have talked about this a lot, and I'm just going to keep digging. I I feel like we're right on the edge of some breakthroughs. And when I say we, uh, you know, us and other people that are researching this and working on it, and it's the whole adrenal stress sleep. You know, mm-hmm. that, 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 that mm-hmm. piece, everybody's kind of working around the edges of it, and I, I don't think we've had that big breakthrough in that area yet. And, and they're all tied so tightly together sleep stress yeah. mm-hmm. the adrenals it, it's this you know vicious circle and there are a lot of people working on this so I, i'm pretty confident we're going to start seeing you know we have a lot of new devices that are helping track sleep better and and heart rate variability and other things that but i, I just feel like we're right on the edge of a breakthrough in that area we're just not there yet yeah, yeah. You know, it would be good to hear from drivers, like, if they feel they are sleeping good. I mean, are they doing anything specific? I mean, naturally, you know, with the sleep, that our, that uh, little ebook I sent you, um, you know, talked about, you know, the number one setting of the environment, and I instantly was thinking about how are drivers doing that, you know, from, you know, getting that blue light out and making it as dark as possible and even keeping the cell phone out of there, that kind of stuff. I just wonder if anybody out there has... Um, strategies and rituals that they have in place that they find are working because we'd love to hear them. You know, this is one of those areas for drivers where, where we could either look at it as all of the disadvantages they have. And that's what we tend to look at. You know, you, you got to find parking mm-hmm. to sleep somewhere in the truck. We know parking can be a challenge sometimes. So you're going to have noise around you. You know, other trucks running generators or the truck idling or the reefer coming on and off all night long. And I mean, we know all those things. Truck trucks pulling in and out um but we could also look at the advantages a driver may have in this area for one um i I never i I very seldom parked at truck stops to sleep i just for all of those reasons um and anymore you see you know video after video of people getting their truck wrecked in parking lots and um so i used to stay in other places you know more out of the way rest areas malls when i could find them and and you know industrial parks that i knew i could park somewhere by a dock and sleep and you know people say oh but you know i tried that i can't find well it's like everything else it takes work 
I didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden have 32 places that I knew I could sleep. It was working at it over and over and over, finding places. You know, even to the point where I was in an area and I would talk to people on the dock and ask them, you know, is, is there some place I can park when I'm in this area where I won't be bothered? Or, and over time, you start to develop those places that are better for sleeping than busy, crowded truck stops. The other advantage, um, you know, many people who are married, you've got that fight of, you know, sleeping in a room with somebody else who has different habits. And that can be frustrating. So some of my best sleep ever was in the truck. You've got this tiny little cave, you know, which I think is an awesome sleep environment. It's really easy to get it completely dark. It's really easy, I believe, to get it the right temperature. And it's pretty easy to block out a lot of other noise. So I actually think sleeping in a truck can be a great sleep environment if you work at it. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some phone calls. Let's go to Texas. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi again, Kevin. Hi, Kim. Hi, How Kim. How are you? Great. Yeah, it's been a while, and I, I actually have some good news and update, and I thought maybe sharing what it took for me to finally get here might help some other people. Maybe you could add it to your file. None of it's rocket science, but, you know. Um, but after a year of struggling, I am finally back into at least a low, of what feels like a low level of ketosis after having experienced all the benefits in full bloom up until I, uh, I let the change happen, <laughs> and then everything just fell apart. <laughs> uh-huh. That in a major life event put my stress through yeah. the roof, and uh, so I just—I know I was in pretty bad shape when I called you guys last. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I hear her voice. Yeah, Cheryl's voice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling this energy. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it finally, uh, the biggest thing I did, I never, I, after a point, I kind of quit trying to get back into ketosis. I had other concerns with the life event and trying to salvage the business and do everything all of a sudden and was homeless. And I mean, I had the truck, but you know where I'm going there. And so, uh, but I always stayed at least paleo. You know, I never, I never gave up that. Right. Cheryl, hold hold that thought. Hold that uh, thought. Let me get to a break, and we will come right back. I want to hear this. Stick around. This is Destination Health. We've got more right around the corner. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Kim is here with me. This is Destination Health. We're talking with Cheryl in Texas. Cheryl, go ahead. Okay, so uh, in July, I decided to park the truck for a month. I was really heading into a ditch in more ways than one. Did some local work, was kind of taking a step back, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life now. And after a month, decided that I wasn't done being an owner-operator and got back out there. Had my best month by myself yet. And uh, 50 cents a mile uh, profit and 57% profit in the bank. So, but um, I decided that I, was, I really wanted to get on this keto, back on it being ketogenic. And I decided to, to go back to intermittent fasting and considered, I just ignored the, I call it kick-ass coffee in the morning. It's not, you know, my starting my eating window. And that's, I started to feel better, but there was an accidental side effect of it. One of my snacks in the morning was two hard-boiled eggs, a locally produced uh, beef sausage, and a chunk of Kerrygold cheese. And that I wasn't eating anymore by virtue of, not eating until after 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And one day I had an egg, and I didn't feel good. Um, and I'm like, okay, tomorrow mm-hmm. I'll try cheese, because I know these are, you know, common agitators. Right. Next day I tried cheese, didn't feel good. And then I tried uh, substituting the heavy cream in my coffee for whole-fat coconut milk, and I felt much better. Hmm. So... Um, those uh, sort of biohacking discovered I had some food sensitivities. Um, getting my stress levels down. I've been doing square beeping when I drive. My trigger is any CMV-related signage on the highway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And practicing it either will or it won't. The truck will either start or it won't. This load will get picked up or it won't. I'll get pulled into the scale or, you know, just right. any little thing that might start to raise my stress level, I just, it either will or it won't. If it's beyond my control, then don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good so point. I'm, you know, doing the, the fasting and then eating that way, you almost did a, a version of kind of a mini elimination diet. You know, we... We eat yes. so much food, so many different kind of foods all day, every day. We have no idea what food is doing to our body. But by fasting, you eliminate everything for a little while. And then you eat one thing and you feel how foods affect you. And that, that's really what elimination diets are all about. You eliminate enough things for long enough to clear out your body. And then when, when we're eating clean... We can trust our body a lot of times. Just how do we feel when we eat something? Yes. And the other piece was I got my digestion under control by shifting from hydrozyme to the betaine plus. So I take five of those. And I added atrantil because I do have some gassy issues. And my digestion is closer, closer to normal now. Good. Which before Good. it was disaster pants when I started the whole, you know, let Mother Nature do her thing. Right. I'm like, she's not a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, certainly. So, uh, so anyway, you know, I know none of this is surprising, but I thought by putting it all together in a slightly distracted fashion to just, you know, 
reinforce anybody who's listening, especially a woman of mine and Kim's age, you know, having those challenges. So I'm not, you know, I'm not buzzing like the Energizer Bunny, you know, but and I'm not sleeping as well yet. But I'm getting there, and my energy is definitely better. My mood is better. I've had some major issues the last few days that would have just put me on the floor a few months ago, and I'm I'm managing. So well, good, wow. good. Thank good. you for I, I've been listening, listening up. Good. <laughs> just haven't been calling good. in. Good. So thank you for putting this out there, you guys. It's just a, an incredible legacy. Absolutely, that you're, you're like, good creating and leaving behind and Kim for you for encouraging making this happen and pushing Kevin and saying we need to do this do you remember when there wasn't very many calls it was like yeah. you and me and John Cavuto <laughs> and yeah. JW and, you know and now you yeah. can't get to everybody so I won't take up much more air time but I just well, this is amazing well thank you Cheryl it, it, you I, know that kind of feedback is what encourages other people so thank you so much for that because we can come on and talk about it and people might listen and they might think well I wonder if it would really work for me and then the more people that share results like that, the more confidence it gives other people mm-hmm. that it's going to work. Don't you agree, Kim? That is so incredible. Oh, my gosh. And I'm so thinking proud of her because when you're down in that low spot and you're trying things over and over again and it's just not working, just not working, um, she is a testimony to just keep moving forward. And I loved her thing with the intermittent fasting and then trying one thing at a time, really dove into biohacking um, herself, how empowering that had to be. I mean, because when you look at fasting is that way, sometimes, like I said, my whole thought on fasting before was on a deprivation thing. Now here where we've become so empowered with our health, you're using it as a tool, you know, to not only help heal your body, but you're also setting yourself, setting the stage to be able to do what Cheryl did and try something, that elimination, and bring it back in and see what might be affecting affecting you. But, man, almighty, to be at the low point of the curve and being able to pull yourself up and just keep moving forward and try and think, I am just, I am just blown away. So proud yeah. of you, Cheryl. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, I've said many times that I, I'm not a big fan of long-term fasting, multi-day fasting, mm-hmm. and, and be, mm-hmm. only because... I don't do well on it. I've tried. Um, I certainly do better under keto than I used to. I mean, forget it. Before, 24 hours felt like it was going to kill me. Um, Now I could do 24, 48, probably not a big deal. Beyond that, I just don't feel good. I mean, I, I, I still trust my body that if this were really good for me, it wouldn't feel this bad. Um, but shorter term fasting seems to be very effective for me. The intermittent fasting of eating, you know, all of my calories in about a six hour window each day. Or if I start to feel bad in any way, whether maybe I feel like, I, you know, I've been around a bunch of sick people and I, maybe I am starting to feel like I might be getting something or my digestion just isn't working as good as I want it to or Anything that's just kind of out of the norm now, because most of the time I just feel good. And when I don't, one of the things I do almost right away now is a short-term fast. I mean, I'll just go one day without Mm -hmm. eating. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. That seems to work really well for me a lot of times. It's great. Like, like a reset, both physically yeah. and, and mentally. Yeah, you know, give your body a break from digestion, and it can kind of focus on some of the other things that might be going wrong. 
Let's go to New York. Dustin, welcome to the program. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kim. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Um, I'm calling in to go over my NutriCube with you guys. All right. Uh, so, give me an idea of how you have been eating. Well, uh, I, I ain't had any soda in about five weeks. Okay. Um, I drank a lot of Gatorade, and I know that's not much healthier, but um, I, I do try to drink the low-carb Gatorade instead of the, you know, the regular Gatorade. Um I've been trying to get away from the bread and the grains and the pasta, and I'm eating maybe once or twice a week with that, and then mostly just uh, steak, chicken, fish, lots of vegetables. Okay, good, good. All right, so, and that that's exactly what we want to see. We don't expect everybody to, you know, wake up one day and, and their diet be perfect, so... I hear that you're moving in that direction. That's a good thing because I'll tell you, you are heading for um, blood sugar issues. Have you ever been diagnosed with any kind of blood sugar problems or do you have any other diagnosis? No. Okay. Um, you're, you're clearly heading for blood sugar problems, but so is, you know, most of the country because our diet's so poor. So, you know, going very, very low carb, you know, like you said, meat, fish, vegetables, good healthy fats. That's where you want to go with your diet because your, your blood sugar, um, your adrenals are, are high, cardiovascular you're showing high. Um, those are all signs we're heading in the wrong direction. You're also showing kind of off the charts on upper GI, which means we're going to need to address digestion pretty quickly here. Um, let me get to a break. We'll come right back. We'll talk about that right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're down to the final segment, so we're going to get right back to some phone calls. I was talking with Dustin in 
New York. Um, so, Dustin, the other thing that's really jumping out here is upper GI issues. Have you ever had problems with heartburn or do you use antacids or any of those things? Yes, sir, I have. Okay. That, that, that's pretty obvious here. And I, if you've listened to the show, you know that, unfortunately, we treat heartburn completely bass ackwards. It's, it, it's a problem of low stomach acid, and then we take things to make the problem worse, but the symptoms go away. Um, so I, I would recommend that you do some sort of a, a hydrochloric acid challenge, you know, something like a betaine. Um, where you take hydrochloric acid while you're eating. Um, Kim, we can get him the, the protocols on that. Are you on um, mm-hmm. any prescription or over-the-counter PPIs, Nexium, anything like that? No. No? no. Okay. Because those you actually have to wean off been, of. Right. I've been doing some apple cider vinegar. Okay. It's organic. Yeah. Is that helping? And that seems to help. Oh, good. And that's that's a good sign. And that's usually what you can test with apple cider vinegar. And if you see any results, then that's a pretty clear sign that it's actually low stomach acid you're dealing with. So, um, you know, our our typical approach with somebody that has a NutriQ like this is we work on digestion. Um, Sometimes that takes a couple tries. You know, clearly you have upper digestive, so hydrochloric acid is going to help. Um, liver gallbladder is fairly high, so I would think a bile salt as you're like a beta plus as you're, you know, transitioning to the higher fat diet is going to help a lot. Your small intestine score isn't bad, so I would hold off on any kind of, you know, SIBO or gut healing right now. Um, I, I would start with the hydrochloric acid and the bile salts and see how those work. And then again, the sugar handling, I think, is really your biggest concern, and that's, that's strictly diet. I mean, there are some lifestyle components, but we're still really working on those. Okay. All right. Now, what, what would you recommend as far as supplements we got? Because uh, I know in the email there was... Yeah, at at the very least, I would recommend a hydrochloric acid, which would be the betaine plus, and the uh, beta plus, which are the bile salts. I would do those for 30 days. You could also maybe throw in one of the uh, enzymes, like an Intenzyme, um, along with the betaine, and that's going to kind of cover everything, the hydrochloric acid, the enzymes, and the bile salts. Those are all the compounds we need to digest all the foods we eat. So I would start with those. All right. Sounds good. So I can call Kim after the the show and place that order. Yep. Kim's going to help you out with that. So we'll get you going on that, and then we'll work from there. Let's let's go to North Carolina. Chuck, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin and Kim. Big thanks for everything. Um... I, you know, it's that last caller causes me to ask. You said betaine, I mean, uh, beta plus, and I got beta TCP. Um, what's the difference between the two? So both of the beta products, the base of both of those formulas are nutrients that support the liver and gallbladder. 
And that's, those are the two organs that really help us digest fats. So on a high-fat diet, the way we should be eating, it, and that's the problem, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the show, when we don't use parts of our body, it stops working so well. We've eaten so much low-fat food, and we're not eating good, healthy fats that our liver gallbladder stop functioning optimally. So the base of both of those products are nutrients that support the liver and gallbladder. They, they thin out the bile so we get better bile flow, and they support those two organs. The difference is the beta plus, and the plus is the key, adds bile salts to the mix so that while we're trying to support the liver gallbladder, we have bile salts available to help digest the fats right now. So we don't have to really, it's kind of a way to kickstart the liver gallbladder and, and get them working better. So if you don't have a gallbladder at all, then you take beta plus the rest of your life. If you have a gallbladder, we usually recommend one round, like one bottle of the beta plus, and then transition over to the beta TCP. Well, that answers uh, a big part of maybe my one of my problems. I, I was going to ask, I, I have some stomach irritation, and I, and I want to get to that in a minute, but um, one of the questions I had was, if you're having trouble with the fats, which I have a lighter colored poop, yeah, um, and I and I thought that was you know I, so I finally went and did the betaine plus and the beta, which I you know I, I I don't remember why I mean I researched but I don't remember I thought TCP had, I thought it was all bile salts and 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 the difference was something else, but. Um, one of the questions is, if you're not doing fats well, then should you take one of the beta products with, uh, like even with your Bulletproof, anytime you put any fat into your body, so yes. the are working on that. Yep, absolutely. Now, the one thing to, to keep in mind, um, like brain octane, One of the reasons we love brain octane so much, one, it converts to ketones really easy, but two, brain octane is a very unique fat that doesn't need bile salt to be digested. It actually gets absorbed right through the small intestine. We don't need any enzymes or any bile salts to digest brain octane. So it's another reason to use the brain octane in Bulletproof Coffee instead of just straight coconut oil. Uh, it's much easier to digest. That's why it converts to ketones so quickly. And it takes a load off of our digestive system. Well, very good. I, I really, I've never done coffee or even tea. I was doing the, um, the cacao yeah. powder. Not, I that, like that. Not powder, but the cacao. Oh, yeah, that's powder. excellent. I made a, yeah. My, yeah, same idea there. The you, thing is, I, go ahead. I don't. I don't really go for the, the, you know, hot drinks that much. I don't mind them, but it's just more convenient to me to take a bite off of a chunk of Kerrygold and take a little <laughs> swig of brain octane, well, or just or there, a bunch of coconut oil or something. There you go. And I'm assuming I mean, that's just as fine. It's, it, yeah. it, you know, bulletproof and, coffee. Uh, there are lots of reasons. The caffeine, and but you know, honestly, the biggest reason we use it on a keto diet is to get that fat right away. So, 
eating butter and drinking, you know, brain octane really accomplishes that same thing. Okay. I didn't think there was any advantage to it other than it's just what people do in the morning and it's a good way to get it in there. Right. Um, but I've had a lot of, of – uh, now, I did – when I go off – when I start getting uh, carbs, and I mean sweet potatoes, um, you know, I've kind of gone off the wagon a little bit and gone, you know, even uh, you know mashed potatoes or something like that. And, and I've kind of slide into a higher carb – thing not high carbs not pasta and not right, well, right. i have i have done a candy bar but, it, but it's that, that's a long time ago but yeah um my point is it seems like my body is the type that i scream hunger every time i get enough carbs in me to i guess become non-ketogenic and i, I don't know if that'll ever go away but i but when i'm ketogenic i don't seem to get enough nutrition so now i'm doing you know all kinds of green things and yeah you know i i I, I, I can kind of relate to that and and i'm still a little torn on this um you know that there was a talk early on um we had a lot of truck drivers going to a lot of different NTPs, and everybody was kind of reporting back to me saying, look, the keto's working for their weight loss and their blood sugar control, but their adrenals are shot. And there was this thought that it's the lack of nutrition that's causing the adrenals to, to be in such poor shape. And, you know, a year, year and a half ago, I believed that. I, I don't anymore. I don't know that. So I'm very similar to what you just described. If I am full-blown keto, I feel great. My hunger goes away. I have great energy levels. And then I'll start thinking, oh, but I need more nutrition. So I'll start eating more sweet potatoes and more carrots and more beets. And my hunger comes back like crazy. That's the first change I noticed. My energy levels aren't as good. I'm still not convinced that we need to eat those things to get nutrition. It's why we talk about nutrient-dense keto, high-quality meats, grass-fed, sardines, cold-water fish, lots of leafy greens. I I still think we can get complete nutrition in a very low-carb diet. And I think some people, and I believe I'm one of them, just do better that way and i think you may be the same way um kim we did it again we're all out of time great show we'll get out of here thanks for joining us all right we're going to do another hour so hang with us we still have lots of questions here we go Road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We'll take your calls and answer your questions. 
about everything health. Food, nutrition, fitness, diet, lifestyle, drugs, disease, supplements, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, welcome. Hi. Glad to be here, Kevin. It's great to be here. I, I love this show. There's mm-hmm. there's always so much to talk about. And, you know, I spend a lot of my time reading on these subjects. I, I've talked about this before, but I, I want to bring it up again because I'm seeing this trend a lot. And I know I see it because I do so much reading. I, I Not exaggerating, most mornings I scroll somewhere between 50 and 100 headlines on articles about health. So I'm not reading 50 to 100 articles, but I I read through the headlines. I have a news aggregator that gathers all this stuff up every day. So, you know, a lot of times you don't even have to read the article. You you see trends that are happening in in a certain topic. And one of the trends I'm seeing um, is this divide in the country, just what we need in this country, right? Another divide, another mm-hmm. – um, right, we, right. we have so many of them, political, sports, you name it. We're, we're divided on everything these days, it seemed like. But the divide I'm seeing is this rapid trend in deteriorating health. Um, I posted an article on – you know, record number of amputations in the state of color or California due to type 2 diabetes. I mean, off the charts all of a sudden, mm. they're amputating limbs because people have type 2 diabetes. The, the really infuriating thing about that is it's easy to fix. Simple to fix. I won't right. say easy. It's simple to fix. We should, people should not be having anything amputated because of type 2 diabetes. But that's how our medical system works. You have a disease, we have a drug to cover up the symptoms, and eventually you'll just get worse. But we'll keep coming out with new drugs and we'll give you something else and that'll cause you to take a couple more drugs. And, and we, that trend is horrendous right now. And I'm seeing that trend just get worse across the board. Every group of pharmaceutical drugs, sales are up on everything. Statins are flying off the shelves. Opioids are getting worse. You know, I I thought a couple years ago when we started talking about the opioid crisis, we'd start to see a shift in the numbers. You know, we're talking about it. We're addressing it. It should start to get better. It's not. The, the numbers for 2016 on opioids, how many were sold, how many deaths, how many overdoses, off the charts again. So, uh, you know, antibiotics being overused and abused and people just getting sicker. That's one trend. On the other hand, I see the exact opposite happening. I see people turning back to real food to local food, to raising some of their own food, to really paying attention to what they're eating and and kind of opting out of the medical system and, and taking more control over their own health. And the results from some of these stories are just mind-blowing. People reversing decades of health problems on their own without a doctor or maybe using a, you know, an NTP or, or a functional medicine doctor, a naturopath, um, getting off multiple medications. But again, there doesn't seem to be anybody in the middle. 
You know, it, it just seems to be this huge split. The people who keep doing what we've been doing just keep getting sicker and sicker. And the people who are taking control of their own health, and, and there are lots of resources now. I mean, you want to figure out how to improve any medical condition naturally, it's a Google search away. And there's lots of good information. So I, I've just been noticing that trend when I scroll all these medical uh, articles that I, that I look through every day that we're just seeing one more split. We're seeing people get really, really healthy, which is natural. That's the way we should be. And on the other hand, we see people just getting sicker and sicker every day. You know, it's interesting. I love the good part of that. We had one of our followers or tribe people email into um, support wanting you to address like type 2 diabetes. And they did send them um, our blood sugar webinar and so forth because he had somebody that he cared about that completely believed it was incurable, that there was nothing they could do. And they actually got very defensive every time like he would send a link, hey, look at this, look at this. And it was kind of fascinating. And you see that. I know a lot of our listeners have that too where, you know, they care so much. They're experiencing the better health. They care so much. They want to share it. And, man, the defenses that go up on people initially, hopefully, and we do believe that, too, that it's by example. Keep living like you're living, and, you know, people will, you're planting a seed, and people will come around. So, hopefully, with that trend you're seeing there, maybe that will happen. More people getting better, that's where the focus can be, and these ones that are getting more sick, and especially with the one that you, you you know, uh, highlighted with the amputations and so forth, um, maybe they'll see that, you know, and, and start asking questions and believe that it's possible. Yeah, you know, speaking of diabetes, which really is kind of the core issue because so many other things develop after diabetes. We know heart disease goes hand in hand, uh, eventually Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, the amputations, the neuropathy, all these things kind of um, you know, we type 2 diabetes, but it's really what's referred to now as metabolic syndrome which the, this mm-hmm. high-carb kind of processed food diet causes all of these problems. And then we could go into autoimmune. But focusing on, on blood sugar issues specifically, which we deal with a lot, one of the really exciting things is I, I keep reading um, people, practitioners primarily, doctors, I, I read one this morning from an RN, um, who people now wearing these continuous glucose monitoring devices. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would love mm-hmm. to get my hands on one of these. You have to have a prescription, and they're about yeah. $1,000. So, but the, the things we're learning, um, the article I read this morning was really interesting. Now, this was an RN who was type 2 diabetic. She had been diagnosed about 10 years ago, um, went through the usual advice and continued to get worse, ended up on multiple medications, found a keto diet, um, reversed her type 2 diabetes. Her A1C came back, you know, after a couple years on, on keto, under 5. So her doctor said, I am taking your diagnosis of type 2 diabetes off your charts. You are no longer type 2 diabetic. And she said, I, you know, mm-hmm. and of course she was happy and she's much healthier. And she said, you know, I completely believe we can reverse type 2 diabetes. She said, but her analogy was almost like an alcoholic. Um, Of course you can reverse alcoholism. If you don't drink alcohol, you're, you know, 
you don't have any of the symptoms or the signs or the problems. But alcoholics know most of them can never go back to drinking. I mean, that, that's just, mm-hmm. her analogy was kind of the same way. She said, I can't ever go back to eating like that. I, I would become diabetic mm-hmm. again. It's absolutely true. So she wanted mm-hmm. to find out what would happen to her body now if she followed the advice of the American Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association. So while she was wearing the continuous glucose monitor, she would show on a keto diet, she set her upper and lower targets, so alarms. Um, She wanted an alarm under 70 and an alarm over 120. And she said on a keto diet, she never strayed outside that range. And she showed the results. Mm -hmm. It was just amazing. Then she ate a typical meal recommended by the American Diabetic Association. Now, here's the funny thing. Mm-hmm. We, we talk about, you know, 20 or 30 grams of carbs a day. If you look at the American Diabetic Association, most of their meals are 60 grams or more of carbs in one meal. Meal. Mm-hmm. So she said, I'm only going to do it. I'm going to eat one 60-gram meal today. Then I'm going to keep the rest of my day completely low-carb. Her blood sugar spiked to 207. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. 207. Now, here's something else interesting I found, and this is something you and I have been talking about a lot and working on. She documented that her drive to work, no food involved, she didn't eat before or drink anything before, her drive to work raises her blood sugar by 30 points. From stress? Stress. Because of stress? Yep. While driving? Yep. 30 points with no food. Wow. Yeah. That says a lot. It really does. You know that, but that's that's neat. Yeah. Feedback. Yeah. So there's the music. Let me get to a break. We uh, have lots of calls on the line, so we're going to get to your questions right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. So, Kim, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open for an opportunity. If I can figure out how to get me one of those mm-hmm. continuous monitors, uh, I, I would wear it. And mostly, 
Not so much around food. I, I've got a, a really good handle on how food affects my blood sugar. Um, you know, I've been poking myself for about three years now, so um, I've got a pretty good handle on that. I know how food reacts and, and blood sugar, but I think the continuous monitor will really help us understand how other things. We, we've always just really focused on food when it comes to blood sugar. And with all the, um, you know, the, the people you and I work with directly, we still see some stubborn cases of people eating a clean, low-carb diet and still fighting some blood sugar issues. And we're starting to mm-hmm. understand now how the whole adrenal axis and stress and lack of sleep or poor quality sleep can really affect uh, blood sugar much more than I think we've ever thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hope you can get one. That would be great to, to have some real-time feedback on that. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. So anything you've got this week, or do we want to get to some calls? No, we'll get to some calls. Please. Um, Speaking of poking myself while I was standing here, uh, I'm testing that new uh, keto meter, the uh, blood mm-hmm. blood ketone meter. Um, I just got a 1.5. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, the other day I woke up and it just happened to be one of those crazy days. I was really in a hurry. I had a lot to do. I think it might have been the day we were doing the webinar um, last Wednesday. So... You know, I I, um, I got up a little later than normal. Um, I was kind of in a hurry, and I checked my ketone. I've been doing really well. I've been pretty strict low-carb again for the last couple of weeks, trying kind of an experiment. Um, so I had been getting, you know, over one pretty regular, 1.1, 1.3, 1.4, which is good for me. I mean, that, that uh, definitely in ketosis at that point. I woke up one morning, had one cup of Bulletproof coffee, and actually had a reading of four, 4.0. Oh, my goodness. I know, and I thought, I wonder if that was just some kind of a fluke. Mm-mm. And I, I wanted to retest in like a half hour without changing anything, and then I got busy, and I ended up drinking another cup of Bulletproof coffee, and I didn't get to check it until about three hours later, and it was 1.7. So I don't know if that was just a fluke or what that was all about. Well, you always said that too with the brain octane and that did that, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it could be that really there's cool. like that, you know, kind of a window in there where you get that big surge of ketones. And if you're not measuring right then, you might just miss it. Maybe I just, you know, got the right time after the brain octane where I just saw that big spike. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, let's yeah, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Arkansas. John, welcome to the program. Yeah, how y'all doing today? Uh, uh, I got two questions. I got two questions for you. Well, requests for suggestions. The first is on my. Uh, I've been on this uh, diet now. Your diet now for about two years. And uh, the first 18 months, I lost about 90 pounds. Wow. Wow. So, uh, but for the last six months, it's kind of, uh, maybe not that long, about four months, it's probably about plastic at all. And uh, I haven't gone, gained any weight, but I haven't lost any either. Um, how much more would you like to lose to get to your ideal weight? 
Okay, so still pretty significant weight loss. First off, congratulations on losing 90. That's amazing, and those are great results. Uh, I'm going to put you back on hold because I'm having a really hard time understanding you, but I want to address um, that question specifically. Uh, Kim, we we see this a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. People lose significant amount of weight. 90 pounds is a lot of weight. Um, So congratulations on that, and that does a whole lot towards your overall health. Having 100 more, though, we want to keep seeing results. This is one of those areas where I could throw out a bunch of ideas, um, John, and and they may help, but it's going to take a lot of hacking on your part. You're going to have to try some of these things. Sometimes it takes weeks to see some results. It might not be what it is. You might have to try something else. Uh, Kim, you and I deal with this a lot with our, you know, our direct clients, the ones we're working uh, directly with. And sometimes it takes us two or three uh, go-arounds to figure out why they're in a stall. It can be digestion, clearly. Um, even after two or three years, you can still run into digestive issues that will block some of the weight loss and the other effects. SIBO comes up quite a bit and can certainly block this leaky gut can block this low stomach acid, uh, poor bile flow. So a focus on digestion and digestive healing, um, our gut healing kit that's in the store can go a long way towards overcoming some of the digestive problems. The next area we tend to see, um, Kim, would you say probably adrenal issues? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stress and sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stress, sleep, adrenal. Yeah. That that topic that we keep dancing around, but we're not quite there yet. Um, you know, and I mentioned this on the other show, Kim. Uh, I, I am pretty convinced that the adrenal fatigue issue we tend to mm-hmm. see, and people were, th- there were a lot of people that believe the ketogenic diet actually aggravates that adrenal fatigue. I don't think that's true. I, I just don't think that because we have seen people on a super clean keep myself um, and, and you can still show up with adrenal issues. I think it's much more than nutrition. And I, I don't think that the, the little bit of extra nutrition we're getting out of, you know, maybe a higher carb kind of paleo really makes much of a difference. I, I think you can be in full-blown, very low-carb keto and still have healthy adrenals. Uh, but I think it has to do more with sleep and lifestyle and stress than it does nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would love to see it. And I'm, I, you know, I'm so glad that you let John keep talking because it was really hard to understand, but we can pick out just enough of it. Right, um, right. But, you know, I'd like to offer this up to him if he hasn't taken the NutriQ to, you know, submit to do that. Um, and, you know, I always like to back up. It's, it's always a good time sometimes to track your food for, you know, a few days or a week. And we would even look at that and see if there's something that stands out, like even just not eating enough or getting enough nutrition. Um, and then we have, you know, a couple documents from our webinar on lifestyle and mindfulness and, you know, just, um, you know, kind of like you saw with Cheryl, how that ended up working. Like she found ways to deal with stress throughout the day that seemed right. to really help her as well. So like after that to John, um, John just emails at support at letstruck.com and 
we can tackle some of that stuff. Yeah, the NutriQ is a great recommendation, Kim, because we'll, we'll mm-hmm. you know, we talked about the two, you know, big ones. Digestion, we'll see that on the NutriQ. Adrenals, we'll see that. And then you mentioned tracking food, which is where I was going to go on my third, is that sometimes long term we tend to fall out of ketosis without mm-hmm. realizing it. The carbs creep back in. You know, we're not really watching food quality and nutrient density as closely. Maybe we're over snacking. Maybe we've gotten back into the habit of eating some of those paleo kind of desserts. And there are a couple things you could overdo. So, um, John, I'm with Kim. I would get in, do the NutriQ, and then uh, you can call us here on the air and we'll go over it with you. Or you could consider um, one of our more direct programs as well. You can find all of that stuff on the website, letstruck.com. Look under the health tab. Let's head off to New York. Steve, welcome to the program. How you doing, guys? Thank you for everything you do. You're welcome. Uh, my question is about cholesterol. A little backstory, uh, college wrestler, bodybuilder, uh, phys ed health teacher then i went into trucking uh, a few years back and my lifestyle changed health changed and 2016 i had some blood work and the doctor said oh cholesterol is up blah 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 uh, i continued to let myself go i started the keto diet uh, about the first of july and i am now lighter than i was in college i feel great my numbers across the board look great except my cholesterol is up. Do you and I'm uh, do you happen <laughs> to do you happen to have your numbers in front of you? I do, right in front of me. Okay, I can do. you give me So in uh, twenty sixteen overall cholesterol was two twenty nine. Uh, yesterday it was two forty nine. Okay. HDLs forty six to fifty one. Oh okay so and now my we're at LDLs one fifty I'm sorry? Now it was your HDL was forty six. Now it's fifty one. Correct. Correct. That's a correct. positive thing, actually, and that's part of why your total went yes. up as well. What's the uh, LDL? One fifty seven. Now it's one seventy four. Okay, so that may not be a bad thing. We'll talk about that in a minute. What about triglycerides? Triglycerides are down one thirty two to one seventeen. Perfect. All right, let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this. I actually like those numbers. I'll tell you why right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. 
I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. We're talking with Steve in New York. So, Steve, I actually like every one of those trends. Let's talk about how we should be looking at cholesterol. (coughs) Excuse me. Total cholesterol, kind of meaningless, but, but we'll look at what happened with yours. It actually went up. Doctors will freak out over that. But it went up for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Your HDL went up, which is part of your total cholesterol. So, of course, your total has to go up. But we want HDL higher. It's protective for our heart and our health. Your LDL went up. Now, that's where some people would freak out. They'd say, oh, LDL is the bad stuff. No, it's not. There's multiple versions of LDL. And in order to know for sure we'd have to do further testing. But I wouldn't recommend it because we know that on a keto diet, when LDL goes up, it's almost always a good thing because what goes up in the LDL are what they refer to as the large fluffy LDL, which is at at very minimum neutral and might even be protective. But it's definitely not negative. So even though your LDL went up... question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, what I had said to the doctor was, he initially said, oh, we've got to start you on a statin. Oh, boy. We've got to get this number yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, you know, exactly. And I said, no, I'm not going on any medication. I said, what if this? I said, what if we test it again in three or six months? Could it have been, you know, 300 three months ago where I was in such bad right. shape that now it's starting to come down, you know, and we'll see this come down. Um, on another side, my wife is a clinical pharmacist for one of the big, uh, insurance companies. Okay. Um, and she's looking at my numbers and, you know, she reads case studies, everything all day long. That's her job. Right. Um, and she said, you know, it, there might be something, there might be genetic, there might be something underlying yeah. there. And she's in the back of her head saying, let's wait and see those tests in six months. But what might be the way to go is get on a statin for a month or so just to get those numbers down, and then we're back where we want to be. I I would say no. Here's why. We know that we know statins will lower cholesterol. It will lower your numbers. That's why doctors love them. They they do Mm -hmm. what they say they're going to do. We need to look further, though, and the research is very, very clear on this. They do lower the numbers. They don't improve any health outcomes. People with lower cholesterol all of a sudden end up dying more, having more heart attacks. So, yeah, they will get your numbers down. But so what? They're not improving health outcomes. So let's look at one more thing. Of the cholesterol, we know the Mm -hmm. one number we absolutely want to get lower is triglycerides. Well, yours got lower. Yes. That, so yes. Ev- he said, absolutely. That shows me you're, in, you're, you're eating well and doing great. Now, you know. here, here's the other thing we have to look at. You mentioned that you're actually lighter than you were in college. When did the weight loss yes. plateau? When did you hit kind of the weight you're at now and, and stop going down? I'm not really, really haven't stopped, to be honest with you. Uh, well, okay. Kind of slow and steady. So then that's what I'm looking at. Here's the other thing. I tell people all the time, if you're losing weight, don't bother checking your cholesterol. Weight loss itself okay. screws up the numbers. So all, okay. I, I would wait till about six months after you're not losing weight anymore. Then you're going to get okay. better, better cholesterol numbers. But honestly, if you stuck right where you were, I don't see much wrong with your numbers. They could get a little better. Okay, great. 
But, you know, I'm looking at your ratios. Your total to HDL is good. Um, We like Mm -hmm. to see it uh, under 5. You're at 4.8. Your your HDL to LDL ratio is we'd like to see it over 0.3. You're at 0.293. So you're you're right there okay. on that ratio. Cool. You're, so you're close. Your triglyceride to HDL ratio, which I think is one of the most important, we'd like to see it under four, and you're at two point three. Okay, great. Is there? I, you know, I was going to ask you, but I don't think it's relevant now. Is there in the keto diet? You know, I, I really don't feel like I'm eating a lot of you know, red meat or whatever they say is going to call cholesterol. Yeah. I really am eating a lot of nutrient-rich, you know, dense vegetables, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I eat a lot of eggs. Um, Is there anything I should stay away from or eat more of that would uh, directly affect the cholesterol? No. No. No, not really. I mean, the the keto diet itself is the, the best improvement we ever see in cholesterol numbers. And the longer you do it, the better your numbers get. And honestly... I, I just, we're so screwed up on this topic. As we get older, cholesterol is cholesterol is important to every cell in our body. It's very important to our brain. This whole low cholesterol mm-hmm. kick we went off on was one of the worst things we've done, and and it's pretty clear now that the government used to say you know thirty grams a day, and now there's no limit, none. They they now say that cholesterol in the diet is not a nutrient of concern. But in the medical community, we keep okay. measuring it, and we keep trying to lower it, even though the proof is as we get older, the higher your cholesterol is, the healthier you're going to be, with, with the one exception of triglycerides. We don't want to see high triglycerides. Okay. So I think you're, you're right on track. You're exactly what we want to see, and it's working. Outstanding. That makes me feel much better. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. It, uh, it, I would absolutely not do the statins. Everything is heading in the right direction. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's go to Michigan. Jim, welcome to the program. Hello? Yep, it's your turn. What can we help you with today? Yeah, I did the Nutri-Q, and I was just concerned on uh, what you might recommend I need to get back on track. Ah, so when you say get back on track, give me some history on what's going on with your eating. Well, I've been a driver for over 40 years, and I've been kind of abusing my body probably most of that time. I I uh, quit smoking in 2003 and gained a bunch of weight, and I, I went on one of them uh, supplement plans, you know, that big guys, you know, and lost a bunch of weight, and now I'm kind of stuck. Okay, so the good news is you're, you're, not, you're not that bad in a lot of areas. Your digestion actually looks pretty good compared to your NutriQ, so I, I'm not sure I would worry too much about digestion. Clearly, your problem comes in in uh, essential fatty acids and sugar handling. The good news is your adrenal, thyroid, and pituitary don't look that bad, and your cardiovascular um, looks great. So does your immune system. So you've got a lot of good stuff showing up. Um, You are primarily, 
I don't even know that I would recommend any supplements for you right now. Um, this is all about diet. And you just want to be eating really low carb. Uh, you know, and we, we would want to address some uh, healthy fats, you know, better quality proteins, better quality fats. That's the essential fatty acid uh, deficiency we see. But um, sugar handling is your second biggest problem, and that's the one we're always watching out for. And that's where the, you know, the lower carb you go, the faster the sugar handling gets under control. I am a type 2 diabetic. I take supplements, you know, medication for that and for cholesterol and, and high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I think my doctor's a pill pusher. That's what they tell me. Well, they all are. And I, 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 I don't yeah. say that sarcastically. They all are. That Our entire system from medical school all the way through every institution we have, their answer is drugs. Always is. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. There's way, way, way too much money in big pharmaceutical companies, and they are running the show. And all you have to do is watch, you know, daytime TV. It's drug commercial after drug commercial after drug commercial. Right, right. So Um, I did the neutral cue, I mean the um, keto for a little bit. Okay. A while back, and actually lost about ten pounds. Uh, yeah, and that's. I quit losing it, and then I got away from it. I don't know why. I do eat a lot of hard-boiled eggs, though. Uh, Every day, egg, I eat hard-boiled yeah. eggs. Yeah, eggs are great. Again, you've taken the Nutri-Q. Um, yours is primarily diet. You may run into some other, you know, stalls or roadblocks. Um, and, uh, you know, if you wanted to work with Kim and I one-on-one, you could do that. Um, but I think if you go back to keto, you know, I have my course. You can go take our keto course online. I think if you follow that course, 30 to 90 days, you could be off of your diabetic medication and your high blood pressure medication. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to Texas. Wade, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. What's on your mind today? Well, 
I've talked to you a couple times. Um, I turned 50 the other day, and my wife bought me a Traeger grill, which I was really excited about. I haven't got to use it yet. But my question, cooking um, the uh, really good food, salmon, liver, uh, that stuff on it, um, once you're done cooking it and then you put it in the fridge, when you're out on the road uh, to, to warm it back up, if you put it in the microwave to warm it up, are, are you losing any of the nutritional value uh, by, by putting it in the microwave? You know, I, I think so. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say I don't use the microwave because I get just as lazy and impatient as everybody else, and I'll throw food in there to reheat it, knowing that that's not my best option. So I, I don't do it all the time. I, I use it those times when I, I'm really in a hurry or just need to get something done. But I, I, I've tried, now that I know more about nutrition, I've tried to minimize my microwave usage. So, you know, it, it's not going to kill us to microwave food once in a while, but it's one of those things that I would think about. And if you have other options, I would use it. Well, being in the truck, I have a microwave, and I guess I'm trying to figure out uh, uh, another way. You know, some to, of the um, to do that, some the, those little lunchbox ovens, the little 12 volt ovens. You know, if if we think ahead enough, so we throw it in there. You know, 20 minutes before we're ready to eat, because because that's really the problem is those are going to take a little more time. But that that would be an option. Um, slow cookers. You know, having a crock pot or a slow cooker in the truck is an awesome tool, and they work well for reheating things very gently. Uh, but again, they take time. Steamers. Yeah, steamers. Steam is a, a great way if you can carry a, a small steamer. A rice cooker can work as a steamer. So, you know, especially in the truck, I like um, multifunction. When I travel, the one appliance I travel with now is the Instant Pot. So it's a pressure cooker, it's a slow cooker, it's a steamer, it's a rice cooker, it, it will saute, it will sear. Um, one device. And, you know, I could easily use that to reheat food. And it's called what? An instant pot. Instant pot. In, instant pot. Where, where do you get it? Uh, Amazon is a great place to get it, but they probably sell it at, you know, Walmart, Target, places like that as well there's about 10 different models one is bluetooth you can operate it from your phone i mean there's a bunch of different features i don't know that you need to get too crazy the basic instant pot does all the things i just talked about slow cook pressure cook steam rice all of those things and the basic is about a hundred bucks okay all right i'll check that out uh, the other question I had um, in the store uh, on the brain octane, are you have you considered or uh, carrying the, the the larger bottle uh, of brain octane? Uh, I should ask Lisa that. Lisa really handles everything in the store. That's a good question because I know for me. Um, the small bottles are kind of a pain because I go through them so fast because I'm doing four tablespoons a day. Yeah, so for me, what happens a lot of times in the brain octane when they ship it, the bottle gets damaged. It leaks just a little bit, and we won't sell it if it does that. So I end up with a whole collection of partial small bottles. But 
Um, I, I, I've got a note here. I'll talk to Lisa about that because I know I like the big bottle better. And then uh, you guys haven't had it for a while. Uh, I love my Bulletproof coffee, but you guys have been out of the, uh, the hot chocolate. That is because yeah. um, Bulletproof will not ship their hot chocolate in the summertime because it's got cocoa butter in there, and the cocoa butter tends to melt in the heat, and it makes the whole mix get a little uh, clumpy. Um, it doesn't hurt anything, and it still blends just fine, but people were complaining about it, so they stopped shipping in the summertime. We should be hearing back from them sometime soon that they're going to start shipping it again. So next year... Um, I think I wrote it down somewhere, and I'm going to put a reminder on my calendar. About a month before they stop shipping, we're going to let everybody know so you can stock up on a couple cans to get you through the summer. Yeah. Okay. That would be awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, so Kevin, Lisa, you know, we got my chat window open, and I was just okay. Lisa said we can carry the large bottle. Okay. So. Oh, good. We're looking to doing that. So that's what we. That's why we love to hear from you guys. That's right. <laughs> Tell us what you need. That's right. And I agree. I, I go through Brain Octane. I've said it before. It's, that is like my secret weapon in keto. I absolutely love that stuff. Um, and the small bottle, I just blow through it. So um, I end up, like I said, using all the small bottles. I get damaged. But um, when I buy it for myself, I buy the big bottle. So we uh-huh. will yeah. we will do that. Let's go to New York. Ted, welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, I'm 45 years old, uh, six foot tall, 165 pounds. I don't take any medication. Uh, I've been driving truck for 20 years, and I'm on a local job. And typically I've drove triaxle and uh, day cab trucks. But for the last three months, I've been in a Peterbilt 389 with a sleeper. It's got the smokestacks in front of the sleeper, and it's a mid-roof. So the stacks are just at the top of the sleeper because I pull a tank. Now, I had I drove it for a few months, no problems at all. Uh, and I called in on the health question because I developed heartburn after having the, uh, you know how the outside of the sleeper has two vents, yeah. two low ones, and it has two higher vents. I had the two top vents open, and I thought, well, if I run the the vents on the dash and I have those open, it'll pull out, you know, and keep fresh air in the cab. Well, after a a week or so of that, I noticed that I was having heartburn, and that's not normal for me. So I thought, well, maybe it's the, the strong coffee the mechanic makes in the shop. So I quit that for a day or so, and I changed a few other things because I thought it was probably diet-related or stress-related. And uh, when I closed those vents... Uh, the heartburn seemed to subside, and I don't seem to have it now. But the, so the question is, could the truck and the chemicals from the diesel exhaust fluid, because it's a 2017 model, could that cause heartburn? Yes, any environmental toxin can. And diesel fumes, Kim, don't we even have a question on the NutriQ? About exposure yep, to diesel mm-hmm, fumes? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and people probably, when they take the NutriQ and they're taking it from us, they probably think we've put that question in there about diesel fumes because yeah, we're in right. this industry. That, that is, that the, the NTA put that in there. I mean, that, because exposure to diesel fumes is, can really affect our health. Kim, do you happen to know what the direct correlation is on the NutriQ, why we're asking it I in am. there? Looking as we speak, 
speak. Um, it's under liver gallbladder. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Maybe that needs to be a topic I need to dig more into um, and see what's going on there. But, but clearly, Ted, I think you did a little of your own detective work here, and um, I think you may have found it, and I, I'm not surprised. Environmental toxins can lead to digestive issues and heartburn, and uh, diesel fumes are pretty toxic. Yeah, they're talking chemical um, toxicity. Yeah. Yep. Our detoxification system. All right. I just just wanted to confirm that because the few people that I had talked to looked at me like I had two heads and that that, you know, wouldn't have anything to do with digestion. So, all right, I'll keep the vents closed and uh, thank you for having this program. There you go. You're welcome. You know, Kim, it might not be a bad idea, um, and I've got mm-hmm. this on my list. I'm going to do a little digging. might not be a bad idea to have, you know, there's some killer little air filters on the market now. And it might oh, not be yeah. a bad idea to have one of those in the cab. That's a really good idea because, you know, we talk about, you know, we're cleaning up the toxicity in our body, and it's those environmental ones that, yeah. you know, have just as much as well. So, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I love about where I live uh, here in the gorge, it's a pretty clean mm-hmm. environment. You know, the Pacific Northwest, not a ton of industry up here. Um, I'm out in the middle of the forest, and we know that nature and trees do a very good job of cleaning uh, the air. We also have really strong breezes, which I love, because all I have to do is open two windows or a door and a window anywhere in the house, and the air turns over immediately. I mean, you know, good, clean, fresh air. So I don't don't have any kind of an air filter at home, other than I have a, a, you know, a higher-end electric air filter in my uh, HVAC instead of just the fiber filters. I've got uh, one of the electric filters. But I, I put it on my list. I think that's a, uh, a good topic to look at in the truck. Sure is. Yeah, Brady brought it up. All right. Yeah, great stuff. All right, we are all out of time. Uh, thanks so much for the questions. Thanks for joining us. We will see you again next time. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone.